Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. In the book of John, starting with chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said something to the disciples. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions, and if we're not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas is thinking about, you know, uh, his last three and a half years with Jesus, and he comes up and he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going to go or coming. How can we know the way? You know, one day you want to be in Capernaia. The next day, you know, you want to be in Magladi. And next day you want to be in Caesarea. We don't know. We, we have no idea. We just know that you're led by the Spirit and we see the results of it. But, uh, and so that was his thinking at that particular time. But Jesus wasn't referring to a geographical uh, uh, a trip. He was referring to following his way of doing things. Because then he went on to say, I am the way, the truth, say the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So he starts out, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You know, this isn't a suggestion. It's not really a command either. But he's saying, you know what, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. You know, the reason why many of us struggle in life is because we let something come into our lives that trouble us. You know, something Jerry Savelle said that I thought was so pertinent. He said, Brother Copeland taught him how to turn a deaf ear to negative things. Turn a deaf ear to negative things. It's not that you're not going to hear negative things. But you know what? You don't have to receive negative things. You know? Amen. And, and one of the ways that you turn negative things around is you, you say, not, that's not me. That's not me. Now, you know, Vicki and I, you know, uh, we, we, we still like to watch a few Westerns, you know, and uh, uh, some of the uh, older pro programs that are kind of edifying, you know, where righteousness is exalted. And so, but every so often there comes these commercials about, you know, certain medications and well, this will happen and that will happen. And you know what? We speak back to it. That ain't happening to me. Amen. Amen. We're not, what we're saying is that we're not letting that in our eye gates. We're not letting that into our ear gates. Okay? And something that I thought was very pertinent this last week was that there was a neurologist that spoke uh, at Billy Brim's uh, Autumn Assembly. And uh, it was just so powerful. But uh, he said that uh, when he was seven years old, he had... Um, a relative who uh, either died or had uh, some type of stroke, and he asked God at seven years old, he said, God, what can I do to make a difference? And God said, well, I'm going to raise you up to be a neurologist at seven years old. And so he is a neurologist. Uh, he is a surgeon, and uh, he works on the brain. And he began to tell us some of the things that happens to the brain when we begin to pray in the Spirit. And it's so interesting. There's a part of your brain, the front part of your brain, that has to be engaged when you're speaking. But when you're praying in tongues, that part of your brain is not engaged. The part of your brain that's engaged is the part that receives. And you can't personally and you can't possibly speak without that front part of your brain being engaged. But when you're praying in the Spirit, you are speaking. 
Isn't that something? So you know the Spirit of God's doing something. But he said on the very inside of the very back of the eye, you can see something, the very beginning of, a, of, of the brain is the way he described it, the way I understood it. And there's a light there. And he said the only time that light is visible is when there's life in the body. But once the life is gone, that light's gone. And he said, I think that's where the spirit of the man is, is right there, you know, in that part of that person's brain, right there, the heart of that brain. He said, you know, the physical heart is what pumps blood. He said, but I believe that's the spirit of man. As soon as the spirit of man, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so as soon as that spirit's gone, that light goes out. That person's dead. And so... You know, your brain is connected to the spirit man that's on the inside of you. Isn't that something? You know, and so, you know, and it dawned on me that, you know, our brain up here in our head, four of our senses are all affected with this part of our head. And so there's probably four things that we need to guard. Number one, what we watch or see. Number two, what we hear or what we let into our ear gates. Number three, what we say. This is right here part. I mean, it can, you know, it's, it's so close to the brain. Our mouth is so close to the brain. And maybe even what we smell may have an effect. So, you know, that might affect who we are or what we are. I know I walked through something the other day, and I thought, man, that, boy, that stinks, man. You know, I'll tell you what, it kind of changed my mood. I mean, you know, it was just made me feel sick what I smelled, you know. And so anyway, and, and so I thought, well, wow, even what I smell can affect me. You know, and so Jesus said, you know, uh, let not your heart be troubled. Well, how do we not let our hearts be troubled? Well, number one, we have to either turn a deaf ear to or not allow what we see or what we hear to affect us. Number two, we also have to not allow what we have said, come on somebody, or where, where we've been, okay, our old life to dictate what God has for us. Recently, uh, it's been about a couple years ago, I I heard a message by uh, um, a minister, and he said this. He said, you know, one of the things that we have to do in order to receive from God, we have to mature. You know, we have to mature to be able to receive from God. And boy, that so resonated in my spirit. I just thought, you know, I need to mature. I need to get to a place where God wants to, that I know that God wants to bless me. And then I read it in, in his book the other day, you know, God, you know, some of us need to mature to be able to receive from God. And I begin to really uh, pray to the Lord, what does it mean to be mature, God? What does it really mean? Well, it means that you get to the place that, you know what, you begin to see things the way God sees things. You begin to get to that place where you can really receive what God says about you. And that's the place you want to get. You know that God doesn't hold your sin against you. Did you know that? But we hold our sin against ourselves. You know, what Pastor Vicky was saying earlier, you know, about, you know, just almost, you know, we got to get to that place where we quit not feeling that we can't receive from God. Why can't you receive from God? Well, you just don't know, you know, what kind of person I was or you don't know the, some of the challenges I still have. Well, God knows, and he still loves you. This is why we need to focus more on 
Romans 3.24. Romans 3.23 says, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, see, 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 Pastor, I have fallen short. Yeah, but it says in Romans 3.24 that he has freely justified you. Scripture says, have this mind that was in Christ Jesus who thought it not robbery to equal with God. Did Jesus have a problem receiving from his father? Think about the day that when he broke and, and he, he took the bread, the five loaves and the two fishes, and he fed 5,000 people. Did he have a problem receiving from God? Absolutely not, he didn't. He never had a problem receiving from God because he knew he was his father's son. Well, when we need to get to that place, we are our father's son. You know, and even in the natural realm, for us who have children, you know, it's so easy for us to understand that we don't hold against the mistakes, or we don't hold it against our children, the mistakes they've made, okay? We, 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 why? Well, that's my child. That's different. No, no, it's no different because you're God's child. And this is the mature thought that we need to get to. We need to get to that place that we are really his. We belong to him. One of the things that Jesus said, you know, even as he was uh, 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 serving the Passover, uh, which was a form of communion for us, you know, he was saying, now, Father, I want them to be one with you like you and I are one with one another. I want them to have that union with you. I want them to have that relationship with you. I want them to know that you are so for them. And I want them to be for one another as you and I are for one another. I want them to be one with one another. I want them to be unified with one another, knowing that they're a part of the body. You know, and being part of the body, there has to be an understanding that not all of us are called or equipped or designed to do the same thing like everybody else does. When you look at the natural body, aren't you glad you have two hands? You know, but the hand can't do what the foot did. You know, I know that some people can walk on their hands, and I know the book of Genesis has a record of how, some, how far someone's walk on their hands. I don't know how far it is, what, a couple miles or something like that. You know, quite incredible. You know, I can't even uh, think about walking on my hands. When I was a younger, yes, but I can't even think about walking on my hands, you know. I don't go to the shoe store thinking, you know, I need to buy some shoes for my hands, you know. And we laugh about that, you know. We think, well, how silly that is. But so many times we think, well, if I was, you know, like Pastor Tom, maybe I could pr prosper. Well, you're not like me, but you still can prosper. Amen. God's no respecter of person. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a doctor. You don't have to be some, uh, uh, an attorney or someone who maybe uh, gets this type of salary in their lives to prosper. You can prosper right where you're at because God wants you blessed. And that's what we have to understand. He'll give you avenues to increase. But don't try to compare yourself to somebody else. And that's one of the things that the Bible says. It's not wise to compare yourself to other people. Why? Because when you compare yourself to other people, you limit yourself. You limit God. And this is what God doesn't want you to do. He doesn't want you to limit to do something with somebody else to do. So, man, if I could just, you know, uh, 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 do what this person does, you know, and I could prosper, have their job, I could prosper. And God's saying to you, he said, you are limiting yourself because I want to prosper you more than I prospered them. Right where you're at. But it's hard for us sometimes to wrap our heads around, us, around that. And that's why we got to turn a deaf ear even internally we need to learn to turn a deaf ear to the negative thoughts that the enemy brings against us. 
And these are thoughts that trouble your heart. And sometimes when we think about our hearts being troubled, we think about what it really means, we, or, or, or we don't really think about what it really means. We think, well, it means, you know, being angry or being discouraged or being what. No, the trouble of your heart means to get it off track, to get it off track. That's what it means. And so many times our thought life can get us off track of what God wants for our lives. And so he said, let not your heart be troubled. You know, if you believe God, believe also me. You know, believe in the works that I did. And then, of course, he went on to say, you know, hey, in my father's house are many mansions. Well, I believe that when we get to heaven, yes, I believe there's a place prepared for us, and I really do believe that. But you know what? What is the kingdom of God? We are the kingdom of God. He has many houses. He's come back. He sent the Holy Spirit, all right? He has come back and prepared a place for us. You know, the Bible says that he's prepared a table in the presence of your enemy. What well, is the devil in heaven? I think not. God kicked him out. You know, and, oh, you know, someday when I get to heaven, man, there will be, uh, you, know, the, you know, but where is your enemy? He's prepared a table in the presence of your enemy. Where's your enemy? Right here. God's saying, you know what, I've made a spread, I have made a buffet of your favorite food. Come on, somebody. And don't leave on me because it's almost lunchtime. But uh, I have prepared your favorite spread, your favorite food at this particular time just for you. And there is more than enough for you. That's what I want for you. Where at? Well, where is the presence of the enemy? The Bible tells us that the devil is the God of this world. Well, are we in this world? Yes. So God's saying, right here in this world, I have prepared a place for you. Come on, somebody give me a little shout here, a little encouragement. God has this just for you. So let not your heart be troubled. When your heart starts getting troubled, well, you know, this isn't happening, that isn't happening. You know what? You need to contradict that by saying, this is what God wants for me. You need to declare, this is God's plan for my life. You know, in Psalms 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Actually, the Hebrew says, I shall not lack. You know? So, other words, lack what? Well, you shall not lack healing. You shall not lack joy. You shall not lack peace. You shall not lack finances. You shall not lack provision. You shall not lack anything. That's what he really wants you to understand. He doesn't want you to have lack in your life. That doesn't glorify God to have lack. You know, it does, you know, uh, when, 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 you know, when you're living in your home and your parents blessed you something, you know, I remember the first time, you know, I, I got my little go-kart like a Harley way to get home to tell all my friends, come on out and see what my mom and dad got me. And we played on that go-kart and had a lot of fun with it, you know. But I wanted to share what my father had done for me. I wanted my friends to see, yeah, look what my dad did for me. Well, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to share and rejoice and, and to wear his goodness. You know, this is not just a song, you know, his goodness is running after me. Because the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. It should be a lifestyle. You should wake up and say, thank you, God, for the clothing of favor that's on my life. Because the favor of God's on me. I'm wearing favor today. I expect God to do something special for me. Maybe more than one thing special for me. Whether it's a, you know, a, 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 you know, and I know a lot of us do this, you know. Sometimes we get to the store and we think, you know, 
It'd sure be nice if there was a parking spot close for us. And all of a sudden, man, there's a parking spot close. Oh, that's a favor of God. Like Pastor Vicky said, we didn't go there expecting anything this weekend. And, and not only did we get a parking pass, but we also, you know, came in through the back entrance where all the VIPs are, you know, made us feel kind of important. But you know what? It wasn't them that made us feel important. It was God who made us feel important. You know, gave us a gift bag, you know, and just honored us. And we were just so thankful that we could, could be a part of that, you know. And so that's God's favor on our lives. You know, God wants the same thing for you. He wants to make things happen for you. So, you know, we have to get to that place when things are going on in the world and the news said, hey, there's recession, there's inflation, you know, uh, this isn't going to work, you know, your, your retirement's going to, you're going to lose half your retirement and all the junk, you know, and then and, and the negative stuff that's going on out there. You need to rise up and say, that's not going to happen to me. Amen. Amen. You know, God wants you to increase during time of difficulties. What did Isaac do in famine? He sowed, and God increased him how much? A hundred times fold, because that's the goodness of God. So let not your hearts, that's the key right there, is not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your heart, you know, don't let what God has put inside you, you know, he put himself inside you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He put that inside you. Don't let who he is, don't let who you are be troubled by what's going on around you. Say, I refuse to let my heart be troubled. I'm not letting my heart be troubled. You know, God wants me to walk in peace, and peace is wholeness and completion. And that's what God wants for our lives. The Message Bible says it like this. Don't let it rattle you. Trust in God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my Father's home. Yes, even you. God's got a place for even you. If that weren't so, what I've told you, that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you. And if I'm ready to get a room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And you already know the road I'm taking. The Passion Translation says it like this in verse 1. Don't worry or surrender to fear. Boy, isn't that the truth? Who's the author of fear? Anybody know who the author of fear in this place is? Sure, it's the devil. That's why God said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, I haven't given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. He's giving you a spirit of love. He's giving you the spirit of power. He's giving you a spirit of a sound mind. So a sound mind tells me that we don't have to let our hearts be troubled. Doesn't it tell you that? You know, it tells me that, you know what, I can have this sound mind. I can, I, can, I can live in this world without being discouraged by what's going around me. I can live. You, Pastor, you're kind of describing this bubble where you're not affected by anything. Well, that's what God wants. He is, you know, uh, uh, he is the Lord my banner, you know, the God who surrounds me with his perfect peace. I can live in this in this type of life, and know that, you know what, he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of my host. There's a host of angels. He'll give his angels charge over me, if necessary, to keep me in all my ways, to keep me from stumbling, to keep me uh, on the right path. So don't worry or surrender to fear, for you believe God, now trust and believe also in me. So let not your heart be troubled. How do we do that? By believing God's word above all things. By believing God's word above all things. This is why it's so important that, you know, we take time to listen to God's Word and, and, and hear God's Word, you know, and saturate ourselves with 
the word of God. Well, Jesus said something in John 8. Go with me to John 8, starting with verse 21. Jesus said, I am going away, and you will seek me and will die in your sin, and where I go, you cannot come. Well, that's a little bit kind of strong. You're going to die in your sin. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll explain that here in just a minute. But in other words, he's trying to prepare the disciples. Listen, I'm not going to be here all the time, okay? I'm not going to be with you all the time. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because where I go, you cannot come? In other words, they thought, well, you know, he, if you commit suicide, you can't go to heaven. And that's, that's what they thought, you know. Well, we're, we're all going to go to heaven, they thought. So they couldn't quite understand that. And he said, you are from beneath and I'm from above. You are of this world and I'm not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So he explained that to him. In other words, you know, the way you get forgiveness is by accepting him. And then they said, well, who are you? And he says, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. Those things what he, he has sent me to do, or he has sent me, he is true. God is true. And they still did not understand that he spoke of the Father. And then he said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. Now, he is in italicized. That helps us to understand he's referring to himself. But Jesus is also referring to that I am. Who did he say he was when, jo- when Moses asked the Lord? He said, Lord, who do I say sent me? He said, I am that I am sent you. Yeah, I am. That's, that's who I am. I'm, not, I'm, I'm the one that was speaking to Moses, okay? I, I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. And the father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then he said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you, in my word. So what's in my word? I think the King James says, if you continue in my word. So what's he doing? He's beginning to prepare them. Hey, I'm not going to be around all the time. But if you'll believe, you can have this life. All right? But the way you maintain this life, because I'm not going to be around. This is what I want you to do. I want you to know if you'll continue in my word, you'll continue in this kind of life. That's what he's saying right there. So if you abide in me and my word, you are my disciples, and you shall know the truth. Say truth. Truth. And the truth shall make you free. So here's where a lot of times people struggle, all right? There's a difference between truth and facts, okay? The truth can change the facts, hello, but the facts can't change the truth. So let me just clarify something to everyone here. It's okay to go to the doctor, all right? If you're not feeling well, let me encourage you. You know, if you're not receiving your healing from God, go ahead and go to the doctor. That's okay. You are not that you are there there's not lack of faith if you go to the doctor hello somebody Amen. don't let the enemy condemn you somebody really needed to hear that today don't let the enemy condemn you because you're you know you've sought medical science and they're helping you get your healing no condemnation for that at all but the doctor's going to tell you the facts okay but the truth can change the facts he may tell you what's going on, you know, and 
course, you know, we, we, uh, we, one of the things that I, I, I've done is told the doctor, I said, tell me what's going on, doc, because I want to know how to specifically pray. I don't want to know that, you know, well, some type of viral, what kind of viral infection? What, what, give me a name because every name has to bow at the name of Jesus. And I want a name to be able to speak to this thing and command this thing that's hindering me or trying to violate my body or trespass against the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to command that thing out. So he gives me the facts. And he's supposed to give you the facts. And for those who don't know this, you know, but a doctor has to not only tell you the facts, but he also has to tell you that the, the, the worst possible situation that could happen in this situation and whatever you're dealing with because if he doesn't and it gets worse then he makes he puts himself in a possible uh, liability lawsuit you know and uh, so he has to tell you the the worst possible scenario if you don't get treatment for this particular situation but those are the facts you know if you don't get this cut treated yes gangrene could set in and if gangrene sets in you could lose your leg all right, that's a fact. I mean, that could happen. But you know what? You don't have to receive the facts. It might be a fact. It might be going on. You may have a cut. It may be infected. But you know what? You can get treated by medical science. You can receive maybe an antibiotic for it or whatever. But you don't have to receive the fact that it's going to get any worse. You can start reversing that curse by saying it's going to get better. So anyway, that's, that's one of the things that we have to understand. The word of God is truth. And then he went on to say this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What shall the truth do? Make you. Okay? So you're in the making process. Tell your neighbor you're in the making process. You're in the making process. In other words, the truth is changing you. From glory to glory. What is truth? Well, you know, you can go to a philosophy class and you can, you know, this professor, you know, he, he doesn't really want to teach. So he asks this question, what's truth? So he spends a whole hour letting everybody talk about what truth is. And then he dismisses the class and everybody goes away confused. You know, well, I don't know what truth is. Well, I know what truth is. You know, God's word is truth. I know that, okay? I don't have to worry about anything else. God's standards are, are, are great standards to live by. In fact, the Scripture says, you know, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God will raise a standard against him. When you live according to God's standards, I did a whole month and uh, 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 a series on living God's standards, that you put yourself in a position to be able to receive from God. So I know God's truth. I know God's standards are good standards to live by. I don't have to have the world's standards to dictate how I should live. And you know, when I live according to God's standards and according to God's truth, then I'm setting an example that's envious to people who are in the world. There's not a law or a standard or a commandment in the Word of God that will violate the natural laws of life that can put me in jail. Or that can hinder me or stop me from receiving what God has for my life. Isn't that something? You know, and, and, and so it's so beneficial for me to live according to God's truth. But you shall know the truth. You shall know the truth. 
and the truth shall make you free. Now, this word know, it has more of an intimate definition to it. In other words, you shall, you shall know the truth, which means you shall become one with the truth. Okay? So the Bible says that the word of God is an incorruptible seed. Okay? And so an incorruptible seed is similar to the seed that a man has when he impregnates a woman. And so the word of God is like that, that seed that when it gets inside of us, it begins to birth in us the image of God. So you shall know. It's not you, you shall hear the truth. You shall know the truth. And when you begin to know the truth, or the truth becomes a part of you, it makes you free. It recreates you so you can be free of bondage, free of condemnation, free of a low self-image, free of not feeling good enough that God can't bless you. Come on, somebody. Free of what the world, limitations that the world puts on you so that you can receive from God. It makes you free. Now, the making process is up to us. You know, some things get make, you know, made a little faster than other things. Sometimes it is hard for us to comprehend certain things. But boy, I tell you what, once you get it, then take hold of it and refuse to let go of it. And that's what Jesus is saying. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So then they answered, and they said, now, now, this is what I think is so beautiful because for us Gentiles, we have a hard time understanding this. But he said, they, well, we're Abraham's descendants, and we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we'll be made free? In other words, it's equivalent to say, I've accepted Jesus. I'm born again. What else do I need? Same thing. We're going to heaven. We're descendants of Abraham. We're part of the, you know, uh, 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 they wouldn't say body of Christ, obviously, but we're, 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 we're okay. And Jesus might say, well, yeah, that might be true, but you're still in bondage. How many people, how many of God's people are still in bondage because they've let their hearts get troubled? They let some things get into their hearts that God said, no, don't let those things into your heart. You're in bondage. You know the greatest thing that most of us are in bondage to? The opinion of other people. Let me ask you without raising your hand. How many of you have been determined that somebody had an opinion of you and you didn't ask them what their opinion of you was and you dictated your whole behavior around them because you thought they thought something of you that you don't know any idea that they thought of you? Don't ask me to repeat that again. Huh? Has that ever happened? Well, I know they don't like me. Oh, well, you know, I know, I know that, you know, they didn't want to sit next to me because, you know, they don't have a good opinion of me. You don't know that unless they told you that. What is that? That's called the fear of man. And Psalm says it's the fear of man that's a snare to us or the opinion of other people. And let me tell you something, this is what troubles most of our hearts is that, that we get into this performance because we begin to think, well, that person wants more of me or they want to see, see this of me or they want this of me. And many of us aren't even thinking that. 
How many times have you been thinking all day long something negative of somebody else? Most of us aren't. Well, then why are you thinking somebody else is thinking something negative of you or trying to bring harm to you or trying to betray you or trying to, you know, and these are, these are the way the enemy works. He comes in, he tries to work in your mind and tries to convince you that somebody, you know, has ought against you. You know, sometimes you can go to the grocery store or go to a place, you know, uh, where, you, you know, you want to buy some type of product or something like that. And maybe the person who's, you know, uh, running a cashier, maybe they had a bad customer. And they're still, you know, reacting from that. You know, many times when I go to the uh, 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 airline agent, I'm really super friendly because, you know, a lot of people are ugly at the airline agent. What do you mean you can't get me on that flight? It's not her fault. You know, it's not her fault that there was bad weather somewhere else that delayed this plane, that delayed this plane, that delayed that plane. It's not her fault. But boy, she gets the wrath of a lot of people. And I feel for them. And I want to be the nicest person that they run into. You know, but even though as nice as I am, they can still be abrasive because they were having a bad day. Somebody was hostile to them. You know, and I can't go away saying, you know, that person doesn't like me, that person doesn't like me, that person doesn't like me. And inevitably, if I end up using that same agent, which is likely, you know, here in Columbia, because it's such a large airport and there's so many agents running around there, the next time they see me, you know what? They're extremely nice to me. So why should I go away thinking for the next two or three weeks, that person, what, what, what did I do? wonder what I need to do to make this person like me. What do I need? You know, what am I doing? I'm letting my heart be troubled. Who gives a care about what other people think about you? It's not going to make you free. It's what God thinks about you that's going to make you free. You shall know the truth. Come on. If the whole world hates you, God still loves you. Amen. You shall know. you got to know this. It can't be something you just hear. You, you need to take time in prayer and say, God, give me a revelation that, 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 to know you, to know your word. And sometimes it does take effort to, to hear that word over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. To know that God wants you healed. To know that God wants you to have joy. To know that God has a solution for your situation. To know that God wants you to be an overcomer, whatever what you're dealing with. To know that God wants to prosper you. To know that God wants to take the limits off of your life. To know these things, and it will make you free. Free for what? Free to be able to receive. Because if you can't receive, you're not free. Hello, somebody. And this is what God wants for your life. But the beginning of hindering this is we let our hearts get troubled by a lot of things. How many of you, well, let me see, let me, help me, Lord. Okay, how am I going to say this? <sighs> hmm. How many of you have heard something, current event, recently about things going on in our nation that's offensive to you? Hmm? All right. Uh, I know some of you are saying, you know, about five or six times a day, Pastor. I mean, 
Okay. All right. I, I, I get it. Okay. I'm trying to be very cautious in how I say this. All right. All right I get it. But you can't stay there. Amen. That's the key. You can't let what you hear offend you or take offense towards it because whether you realize it or not, it's made your heart troubled. It has troubled your heart. You can't let what you hear about current events, what's going on, and some of the policies that you don't agree with in our school board, in our city council, in our state, in our nation, you cannot let that trouble your heart. The reason you heard about it is so you can pray about it. Or maybe you can do something about it. And I do believe that people need to go to the school board, to the city council, you know, and, and other things and get involved. Because, you know, we the people, it's about us. And I'll leave that alone and move on. But you can't let it trouble your heart. That's the key. Once you let it trouble your heart, what you don't realize is that your heart's troubled in other areas. And that's the deception of the enemy. Well, you know what? I, I can be mad at them because, you know, they live a lifestyle that I don't agree with. No, 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 no. You can't take that offense just because they live a lifestyle that you don't agree with. You have to guard your heart, not to let your heart be troubled, even though you don't agree with them. You don't agree with their political stance. You don't agree with their policies. You can't let your heart be troubled. Because once you let your heart be troubled in that area, what you don't realize is that your heart's troubled in some other areas. Okay? So let me put it to you this way. Um, cyanide. That's very unhealthy to take. Isn't that correct? All right. So that'd be like putting a little cyanide in your, your mashed potatoes, but not putting it on the rest of your food and thinking it's not going to affect you. Huh? Would you do that? Well, you know, I mean, the rest of the food, it's going to be good for me, but, you know, I'll eat a little bit of the cyanide in potatoes. It won't affect you. It won't affect me. Will it affect you? Yes, it will. Probably kill you. Or make you wish you were dead, one or the other. You know? Well, that's the same thing about letting your heart be troubled. You can't let your heart be troubled in one area of your life and not think it's going to affect the other areas of your life. Does that make sense? Thank you, Lord. That wasn't in my notes. Praise God. And so that's why we have to guard our hearts in every area of our life. How do we do that? By abiding or continuing in the Word of God. And so he went on to say, they said, well, we're the, we're, we're, you know, we are, the, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. And uh, you, you, you will be made free. How can you say you, you'll be made free? He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. In other words, if the son comes in and he says, you know what, you're free. So, But this is what we need to get hold of. This is where we need to mature. This is the revelation we really need to get hold of. And that is that by the spirit of adoption, God has predestined all of us to be the sons and daughters of God. In other words, your faith in Jesus has made you a son. And God loves you just as much as he loves his own son. He sees no difference. You're a part of the family. You're adopted in. 
Now, many of you know this, but, uh, you know, Vicky and I got married, and she had two children, and I took them on as my own. I don't know the difference, you know? I have no idea what, you know, and if we were to have our own child, you know, and, uh, you know, we're not using our faith to do that. But if we were, I would just, I would still love these other kids just as much as if they're my own, you know. And I think sometimes, you know, that's probably one of my greatest strengths is that because God allowed me to do that, I love all of you like you're my own family. But that's the way God wants it. I have a hard time not knowing sometimes I have to be careful not crossing over personal boundaries because there's such a great love in my heart for all, each and every one of you. Thank you. I got one amen. <laughs> Came from my wife. But that's the way God loves you. And that's the way God sees you. And that's where we need to mature in our lives is really ask God to open up our eyes that we may know his truth because his truth will make us free to receive all that he has for our lives. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.